welcome to the Plant Witch Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life and all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? Crickets are chirping and the catbirds mewing here this morning. The autumnal equinox here in the northern hemisphere. This grove of ours is a banquet feast currently of poke berries and cedar berries and dogwood berries and sumac berries and pollen from the goldenrod and the aster and the anise hyssop. It is a bustling community here in the grove of insect and bird and fox and squirrel and chipmunk. And we are a sanctuary for the refugees that fled the cornfield this week when it was cut. I was sitting out on the stoop earlier this week and suddenly found chipmunk and mouse cowering under my legs near my body, quivering and traumatized, having fled the cornfield. It was such a tender feeling to know that they were seeking shelter and they found it in the shade of my own body. Living close to this piece of earth and being outside a lot, I've had a few experiences like that now, where Finch has come and perched on my knee while I'm reading a book, or Bunny comes to get this one special clover bloom that just happens to be close to where I'm sitting. Uh, The more they see us outside, harmless, the more the animals of place will draw near to us. Speaking of animals that draw near to us, I'm sorry if you can hear the clunking, lumbering sounds of our, there's one, (laughs) of our seven-month-old golden retriever who is clunking and lumbering and now also barking. (laughs) So I apologize for his um, robust presence in these episodes. On this uh, holiday of balance, the autumnal equinox or the spring equinox, depending on where you are, I'm thinking and feeling my way through this forest of energies inside my own body and as they reflect back to me from the world I see. And so much of the imbalance that I'm finding in my own life is the depths of the grief that I carry without the counterbalance of sufficient buoyancy 
and joy. Earlier this week, I attended a talk with Dr. Robin Wall Kimmerer, author of Braiding Sweetgrass and Gathering Moss, teacher of botany at the Upstate New York School of Forestry and Ecology. And so much of her message recenters our place as humans in the landscape as beings that are meant to live in relationship of reciprocity with all of the creatures around us. And that reciprocal spirit comes from a place of gratitude and abundance and pleasure and joy. And then we are moved to give back to the land because we are able to deeply register the abundance that's being shared with us from a place of gratitude. And if we don't allow ourselves to feast on the fragrance of the goldenrod and the beautiful contrast of the yellow and purple blooms as goldenrod and aster bloom together, and we don't feast on the sweet apples that are ripening now, and um, we don't feast on the sounds of the wind and the leaves, we don't have that full belly that makes us feel satisfied and content and blessed and filled with gratitude and desiring to reciprocate. And a part of that comes from this mismatched idea of what satiates us, that we think we can fill ourselves with endless scrolling on social media, or we can fill ourselves with one more achievement or certificate, or we can fill ourselves with one more course taken or one more lover in the bedroom or one more trip across the ocean. You know, there are all these grandiose ideas of what might fill this vacuous need within us when in fact we are wired to be filled up by the simplest things. That's not to say we shouldn't take another lover or we shouldn't travel across the ocean or we shouldn't take another class. Those things are all wonderful, but we cannot expect them to be that which fills us up. We have to find something more reliable, more present, more humble to keep us filled with gratitude so that we can move in reciprocity. Dr. Kimmerer's advice to us is to awake every morning and ask ourselves the question, how can I serve the earth today? How can I, in gratitude, use my gifts to give back to the earth today? And let that be the frame of our day and the frame of our living. She also said in her estimation, after a conversation with others of her um, community, their definition of an educated person is someone who knows what their gifts are and how to give them back to the world. But that's really the kind of education that matters in a life, knowing what gifts we've been given by spirit and how to give those gifts in the world freely and abundantly. So again, back to this idea of reciprocation and gratitude and sharing our, our bounty So, as a mystic, 
and a, a druid and a hedge witch <laughs> and a um, sort of floating thistledown displaced European immigrant <laughs> child. <laughs> Um, I often wonder how to root myself, like how to find a place that is um, deeply supportive of community where I can serve. You know, I find myself binge watching Call the Midwife on Netflix because I see in that show this incredible sense of community in 1960s England where people know each other and care for each other and tolerate differences where they um, sort of bend the arc of the story towards more love, more belonging, more justice. And I long for that so much in my own life that when I'm feeling really down and I need hope, I binge watch shows like Call the Midwife or The Good Witch. They do the same sort of thing on The Good Witch. But how do we create that kind of being, that kind of belonging and presence in our own lives? So this past week was the feast day of St. Hildegard of Bingen. And I was reflecting on her life, you know, a woman in the 1100s who was just so far advanced, such a polymath, such a um, incredible wisdom keeper and healer and artist and thinker and how she built a community around herself despite how different she was from most people of the time and uh, this morning I was reading some of the works of St. Teresa of Avila who lived in the 1500s and you know, faced the brutality of the Crusades and just this incredible dark time in Spain that she was living through. And yet, she, her family, her mother died in childbirth when she was 13. Um, she was one of, I think, two or three sisters and, like, nine brothers. She was sort of lost in the fray, even though she was very beloved by her father. Um, And she found this incredible depth of spiritual belonging outside of real community, but then found her way to real community as well. And the depth of her spiritual life was incredibly ecstatic and filled with sensual imagery as if God or the divine was her lover, this, this beloved, which gave her this incredible overflowing abundance and enabled her to move so confidently and so, um, sort of uniquely in the world. So I wanted to share just two pieces of writing from her with you this week that I feel like tip the scale back toward balance for me um, and help me feel filled up and more able to be reciprocal in my relationship with the land here and with my community. Um, The first one 
goes this way. This is from St. Teresa of Avila. Just these two words he spoke changed my life. Enjoy me. What a burden I thought I was to carry, a crucifix, as did he. Love once said to me, I know a song, would you like to hear it? And laughter came from every brick in the street and from every pore in the sky. After a night of prayer, he changed my life when he sang, Enjoy me. And this next one. How did those priests ever get so serious and preach all of that gloom? I don't think God tickled them yet. Beloved, hurry. I'm going to read that one one more time. It's really short. How did those priests ever get so serious and preach all of that gloom? I don't think God tickled them yet. Beloved, hurry. (laughs) So these impressions of joy and a sense of humor and this divine lover, um, they really feel true to me. As I've watched the movement of life on this planet for 40 years now, I see all around me a great and incredible lovemaking. There is this erotic magnetism that keeps everything moving, that causes this sort of circumambulation of all things around everything else, that it is all held together by this erotic longing, the way that the bee longs for the goldenrod flower, and the goldenrod lures the bee in with the scent of its bloom and the color and the ultraviolet light that we can't see, the erotic holding that the moon does of the earth as orbits day and night, year after year, the way that a drop of water enters the hilum of a bean seed and teases the seed coat open so that the seed can sprout the way that the doe licks away the afterbirth of the fawn so tenderly. There is this incredible sensuousness to life on this planet that seems to be a fingerprint of whatever intelligence set this into motion. And for us to overlook that or demonize it or tell ourselves that We must overcome that sensuousness in order to be worthy of the love of the divine creator. It seems almost ungrateful. It seems arrogant for human mind to look out on this lovemaking and say that whoever, whatever, divine intelligence set this into motion created us to deny the obvious 
humdrum of erotic pleasure that is all around us. How arrogant. What a human thing to do. My business is named The Rebel Herbalist, and I've got that name from a docuseries that Herb Mentor and Learning Herbs um, invited me to participate in. They named my segment The Rebel Herbalist because I had left healthcare, I was a nurse, and I had focused on herbalism, and that seemed very rebellious to them, and I loved the name, and so with the encouragement of a good friend of mine, Eleanor, I adopted the name. That was my business, The Rebel Herbalist, and it is the name of my business. But in the past few weeks, I felt the weariness of being a rebel. How tiring and parching it is to the spirit to always be pushing against and going against the stream and to always be provoked and enraged by the decisions being made by the collective and how I'm tired of pushing against all the time. And what if I were the reveling herbalist? And so I changed this energy from pushing against to just sort of dancing with. I just get this image of the big bumblebees with their full pollen baskets just rolling in the blossoms. just dancing. If more of us shifted into that energy of honoring the great lovemaking, being deeply filled with the abundance of this place, deeply nourished by the beauty all around us, how might that change things here? How might we approach things differently from a feeling of satiety and a mystical knowing of this place as a lover and a beloved, that the spirits of the land actually move toward us, the willow strokes our hair as we move through the wetland. that we belong and we are seen and we are known that when we walk barefoot on the land the earth tastes the sweat from our feet and knows us that when we exhale the trees and the plants breathe in our pheromones and know us we are known we are beloved We also can look out on this planet and know that it is a harsh place to live. These wild storms that are cropping up prove that to us. Just as we are held by a beloved, the beloved can take it all in a sweeping motion. Like these typhoons are just like arm across the table, clearing it all away. And there's something about that impermanence and something about the reality of the fragility of our lives that invites us to open even deeper to the ecstasy and to the bliss if we allow that invitation to settle into us.
years ago, I had a dream that I was at a banquet, a feast. There was all kinds of food piled high on tables and people were eating and laughing. And down an aisle close by, I saw Jesus walking. And I went to go be near him. I wasn't going to interrupt him. I just wanted to be near him. And I was stopped by a woman in elderly churchgoer clothing um, that would have looked like someone who came out of my childhood Methodist church with her blazer and her pencil skirt and her shoulder pads. (laughs) And she grabbed my shoulders and she said, repent. And I woke up. I didn't enjoy the feast. I didn't get to be near Jesus, my older brother, as I look at him. I didn't get to enjoy the conversation and the laughter. I was stopped and accosted and told to repent. I've been working with that dream ever since. And even though I've left the church and followed this path of nature spirituality and worked hard to forgive the church (laughs) and my elders for the ways that they over pruned us, they've installed one of their own within me. You know, my family has practiced Christianity for hundreds of years. And in those hundreds of years, we have firmly installed a guardian into the psyches of all of us. An older churchwoman who is always telling us to repent and keeping us from the feast. So I ask myself now, how do I heal this part of me that keeps me from the feast? Who would turn me away from healing and laughter and hope and love and constantly remind me of my errors to keep me ashamed and alienated and other? I appreciate the part of myself that became rebellious against that and started taking down barriers to the entrance and started building longer tables and started inviting people that might not have been invited. And, you know, all of that kind of work is important, but it still keeps me from feasting. As long as I'm putting all this energy into rebelling against the elder churchwoman in my mind. I'm not actually enjoying any of it. I'm still outside of the feast. And so I think of the, the nuns and the midwives on call the midwife. And what would they do with someone like this elder churchwoman in my mind? How would they build the ark of redemption so that she could rejoin the feast herself if she chose to and they would love her even in her anger even in her fear even in her cruelty they would see the pain in her that made her this way and they would love her in it because that is the only way that the invitation to rejoin the feast ever happens. 
They would soften her slowly over time with small gestures of kindness so she could let down her guard enough that she could feel the tickle from God that would finally let her put down her seriousness and take a seat at the table herself or carry food out onto the street for those who can't find their way in because her heart would be so full so full of the spirit of the feast that she would know no lack no guardedness no shame but only the fervent desire to revel in the beauty and in the hope this time of year the autumn season the time for ancestor reverence the harvest time is a wonderful time to work with this imagery of the feast And there are so many stories back through time of people who had very little and were still able to share what they had with others. And it is that spirit of generosity and fellowship and love that keeps the world turning. And it is also that spirit that we've lost as we've started hoarding and mass purchasing for ourselves and our families as we fear food shortages and energy shortages. I have a sense that this spirit of community and belonging and communal feasting will be reborn in us out of necessity because life has decided to show us that our hyper-individualism does not work, is not sustainable, and is arrogance. So I'm choosing to realign myself with revelry as much as possible now, to attune my energies to bliss, and gratitude and sensual pleasure because I think that's what life is asking of us to survive these times that is how she wants us to change that's another thing Dr. Kimmerer talked about the earth asks all creatures to change and if they cannot change they cannot stay Tyrannosaurus Rex could not change, so could not stay, but Dragonfly could change just enough to stay. So how are we being asked to change so that we can stay? And in my heart, this is the change I feel like we're being asked to make, to take ourselves less seriously, to find ourselves again as kin in a family of beings that are more than human and to shift our energy from taking to giving, from hoarding to sharing, from conquering to stewarding. 
And if we can make those changes collectively, I think there's room for us here. I don't know if we will, but I am more than willing to try. And I hope you are too. Thank you for joining me and it's time to come back to